welcome back to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. Every week, we dive into juicy topics for women navigating the business arena, leadership, and their personal self-development. We reframe business and life with a more feminine lens to help women find more fulfillment, freedom, and success. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and today I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Laura Shuk-Guzman. Today, we thought we would actually start a two-part series. We want to talk about leadership, but in a much different way. I often talk about how I work with reluctant leaders, right? Women who want to have impact, they want to make a difference, but they are so tired of the traditional kind of framework around leadership. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that all means and some strategies and some reframing on what leadership really means. What do you think, Laura? Oh, yes. I feel so resonant with this term, reluctant leader. Um, As soon as you suggested this as a topic for today's call, I just immediately felt or just recalled a recent conversation that I had too, where I was explaining, oh, with the whole micro school, you know, movement and the learning pods and everything. Like I've been trying to figure things out with my son. And I said to my friend, I said, well, I thought I had something where one of the teachers was organizing and then we just had to get all the parents signed up and I was going to have some you know, support during the distance learning. But then um, the teacher was struggling getting all the parents together. So put it back on the parents and it went back to us. And of course, I feel like oh, great. I'm going to have to be the leader of the pod. And I am definitely a reluctant leader (laughs) in that scenario. (laughs) I think that's so funny. I mean, I think that that really, I I can remember so much in my lifetime where I felt like I was that reluctant leader, where I felt like I was, I would take the lead. I would have to step into the leadership position. You know, maybe it was like school or college and I had to, you know, we had to do like a group effort paper or something. And I always felt like I had to take the lead. And, and I think, you know, it really describes a lot of the women I work with who are complete badass leaders, right? But they're reluctant to lead because they are exhausted, because they don't want to do the traditional kind of framework around leadership. They don't want to be over anyone. They don't want to overpower anyone. They don't want to, you know, be a leader in a way that is misaligned with who they are. And so they just decide not to lead, or they are really reluctant to lead, which I find is, you know, so interesting at how many people there are who are kind of in that position. Yes. And it's something that we don't talk about very often. I mean, if I'm looking at leadership right now on social media and just doing a quick Google search, a lot of it right now is like how to step up and be a leader, how to be a resilient leader, how to, you know, manage your (laughs) inner leader. I mean, it's just like how to do it, how to do it. But the reality is that many of us who've been leading for quite some time are feeling exhausted or, you know, for many women that have just stepped into roles, it has been reluctant leadership as much as we want to see that change. I think that leadership in this old paradigm that we've been living in, which I'm hoping we're going to see a big shift or starting to see some shifts. And this is what we talk about all the time, the shift from sort of the masculine paradigm into feminine, that we're going to start seeing a different leadership style that doesn't mean that we're in, we just end up burnt out and exhausted and just wondering why did I ever step up and think that I could do this? 
Yeah. And I think I really want to start this really awesome two-part series and conversation off with why are we reluctant to lead, right? Because I feel like there's so much talk about leadership. And what happens is there's so much resistance in a lot of people who feel like I can't take on more. I can't step up in that way where I have to control people or, you know, manipulate people or herd cats, right? There's all these kind of ideas we have around leadership. And I think we're reluctant to lead because oftentimes it is masculine. It is about control. It is about you know, managing people, like even that drives me crazy. Like we're going to manage people, right? How do you manage people, right? It's this really interesting kind of framework we have around this idea of management and around being a leader. Or people view leadership as thought leadership, in which case you have to be extroverted. You have to be out there all the time. You have to be like doing Facebook Lives every day. You have to be writing a book. You have to be on TV. You know, there's all these ideas we have of leadership. And most of the definitions, if we're really honest with ourselves, they're masculine and they're extroverted and they're exhausting. But we really have to shift and change the way we're viewing leadership. I love this. Yes, because I have been witnessing this in my clients. I've been hearing their struggle. So many are entrepreneurs, so many are leaders in their communities. And they're just feeling like it's not as if I want to stop being an entrepreneur. It's not that I don't enjoy creating change and being a part of some new shift or process in my community or consciousness, but I'm just exhausted. I'm so exhausted of being the one left holding the bag. And I think that as human beings, although we are wired to connect and to create community, we've lost this art form of being able to really do it together. And so we are not doing it in very sustainable ways. I mean, I know I experienced this in my co-working space. As much as co-working is all about all of us doing it together, I noticed that people would constantly put me in that category of the owner of the co-working space, the one in charge, the leader, the one that has to fix it, the one that's responsible. And that was exactly the opposite of what I wanted to create. When you and I started off, it was like shared power, please. Like we're single moms. We don't need to be taking on more responsibility that we have to be that one that's left alone on the stage trying to make it all work. We really wanted that to be shared. We wanted that experience to be like, what can we all come forth? And I think that so much around this new type of leadership that I want to see, it's it's shared power. It's shared leadership. It's where we all coming together to make this really better for all of us. And I think even, you know, in the United States, again, we have we come up against this rugged individualism. It's a running thread <laughs> through so much of what we do. And it shapes the way that we think about leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it is this idea of more. This is this really interesting framework that I've been playing with, right? We often think in terms of leadership, we think it's about more, more responsibility, more time, more effort, more control. Like we often have this framework of more, but I actually see leadership as less, right? Like it's, less stuff and more focus, right? It's less to-dos and more clarity. It's a lot less of the day-to-day stuff so that we're a lot more focused and clear and 
I mean, it might not be particularly exactly less responsibility, but it's a different kind of responsibility, right? It's not over-owning for everybody. It's not taking on the responsibility of people. It's empowering them. It's supporting them to take responsibility for themselves. And so I think we have to sort of like re-look at what leadership is. And I one of the things that I've really been thinking about is this idea of intrinsic leadership. So it's like the idea that we're leading when we are closer to who we are, when we are more real, more congruent with our natural self, our natural cycles, our natural rhythms, our sort of innate strengths. The more aligned we are with that, the more our leadership comes out intrinsically. Oh, I could not agree with this more. And actually, as you were talking, I was like, yes, yes, yes. How many words, like when I think about the type of leadership, what describes the leadership style that I'm most interested in? It's exactly that. It's intrinsic leadership. It's innate leadership. It's embodied leadership. It's like it, everything is about in, inward, inward reflection. So that it's coming from this place of I'm resourced, I'm aware, and then I'm bringing this out into the world, but not alone. Like I'm bringing it to a community and then we're rallying, you know, really together. It's like that. I think you can only have less if it's shared, you know, it's like, you can't just be like, Oh no, nobody's going to do it. And there is the, the role of a leader that can step into holding container. So I can like, ah, oh, like here I am, I'm the leader. I want to hold space for this, but I need you to fill that space or otherwise I have too much to hold. You know, It's like, if I don't have you to come in and fill it and, and hold it with me, I guess it's just this this shift in the way that we're thinking about holding that space, being that container, taking on more by having more support. You know, we can't keep doing more and more and more alone. Well, and you can't be a leader in a vacuum, right? Like it's, it's not even possible. It's not even part of the definition. Leadership implies group, our community, our team, like it implies other people. And so you know, there's really that, I think, that understanding. But I think what happens is, and the reason why more women are reluctant to become leaders is because we are already so emotionally overdoing things, right? We're so, we're we're o- already over-empathizing. We're already over-owning. We're already over-responsible on an emotional level for so many things that when we think about becoming a leader, we think, oh my gosh, that's going to be so taxing on us emotionally. And I think that's really where we have to look and realize that this is a core piece that a lot of people are sitting in. The only reason they're afraid to become more of a leader is they're either afraid of the fact that they're going to be overtaxed in their system, right, in their emotions and their mental space and their time, or they're sometimes afraid that they're going to be too vulnerable. They're going to be attacked or they're going to be judged. And so we've got kind of the psychology, and it is women because we are judged for so many things, especially for being ourselves, especially for being in the feminine, for needing space, for going through a cycle, for being tired on our period. Like there's all these ways in which we are judged for being ourselves. And I think we also are conditioned to over-deliver and over-own and over-empathize. But those things are under our control to change. And that's when leadership takes on a whole different perspective. I am so grateful for these conversations that you and I have, because as we talk about them, it reinstates the importance of it and, and like shifts this consciousness within myself. Because the challenge is that we as women have often lost 
connection to the value of what we bring to leadership, like all of the nourishment that we bring and the intuition and the relationship, emotional intelligence that we actually can bring. We often leave that out of the boardroom, out of the business call, you know, because we haven't felt like that was accepted. Like that's not a part of doing business. It doesn't belong in the arena. You know, how many women have you seen shift, role shift, you know, from sort of the more feminine leadership style into a masculine when they step into a room of what they perceive as power or a place that they're going to be perceived in a certain way, they will often change their tone. They'll change their posture. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, because I'm supposed to be in this business world and this is what it, what it looks like. hundred percent. And I think some of that is us trying to fit in a role, right? And some of that is the insecurities we still have in being ourselves and the wounds we still have in being ourselves. And so one of the most important things I've seen over the years, and one of the most important things I teach all my clients first is that in order to have that intrinsic leadership, one of the most important things you have to do is you have to heal your wounds. You have to step into your worthiness. You have to recognize your power. You have to know your strengths. And when you kind of close that gap, between the value that you have in yourself, right, or the lack of value that you have in yourself and your worthiness and your strengths and who you are, when you really close that gap and you become more congruent, then what happens is it's like you're not afraid to step into a different kind of leadership and you're not afraid to be who you are in a public view or in politics or in a corporate environment or in your business. But that gap is usually what I think stops us from leading in a way that's more intuitive and aligned with who we are. Exactly. It should be no surprise then that we're reluctant to step into an incongruent leadership style. Like, of course we are reluctant. We know that it's needed. We can feel there's a gap and there's something that we want to change or be a part of that effort. But if we have to keep stepping into a space that doesn't feel in alignment with all of our skills and with our nature and with our superpowers, then of course we're going to be exhausted. It makes me think of just the more incongruent something is, the more energy it takes. And so we are therefore reluctant to lead if that's the arena that we're leading in. Yeah. And I think what happens is then as women, we often settle. Like what I see with a lot of people who either come into my program who or who I'm working with is that sometimes they've already been the route of trying to be masculine and they've already been the route of trying to like step into a leadership that doesn't fit them. And so then there's almost this just giving up, right? Like, I guess I'm just not going to be successful. I guess I'm just not going to have a successful business. Like there's this almost this way that we resign ourselves to the fact that we're just not going to make it, that we're just not going to be a big leader, that we're just not going to be able to have a lot of impact. And we're just going to settle for where we are because, you know, we're not willing to compromise that much anymore. And there is no other way to do it because we don't see another way. There is no example of like how we can lead in a feminine way or how we can lead in a way that is more aligned with who we are. You know, and I think that's like what so many people are awakened to or realize as they're going through my program is that there is actually another way. It's just there's very few examples of it. Yeah, exactly. And then that's, again, such, we've talked about this in the past. It's such a loss when you do not bring 
women in, you know, the talent and the leadership and just the qualities that women bring to business and to the world itself. Like when we're missing out on that, we as a society are extremely hurting. Like we are, we are missing out. We are hurting by not doing that. And I think that it's really interesting. You look around the world right now, and there has been recent press on look at the different leaders that are doing well with the crisis of COVID. They are women leaders. Why? They're scratching their head. I wonder why. I was like, I don't think it takes a lot of research to figure this one out. <laughs> they are leaders that are very in tune with who they're leading. They're relationship-based. They understand what it means to do caretake work. They understand the power of people need each other, but they also need to be safe and well, like all of the psychological needs, all of the physical needs. I mean, this is just something that women do without hardly thinking about it. It's just something that we are so experienced. We are experts at leading in a crisis. We do it every day in our parenting. We do it every day in so many ways that we are, we do the emotional labor every minute of every day. And are you surprised then when we step into a leadership role in which we're solving a crisis for all the humans in our country? (laughs) That's right. And like, I mean, Jacinda in New Zealand is like such a good example. And what I love about her is that she is not masculine and she does not try to be like she She's so much more feminine. I mean, she, you know, breastfed her baby and, you know. Yes, I loved that. Those images. I just oh, I loved it. She's so good. And when she explains things, like I watched her do some of the explaining when the coronavirus first came out, she, you know, was so like kind and empathetic and clear. Like it was like not a lot of fluff, but it was very caring and kind and feminine. And I think you know, we need so many more examples of that kind of leadership. A leader that is being herself, a leader that is being real, a leader that is staying grounded. I mean, we as women have so many powers that we're not utilizing, you know, and it, it, I could like get on my soapbox and talk about this like for days and days and days. Imagine the world, like really imagine the world if every woman was in her power, if every woman was like herself, all her glorious self, not her hidden self, not trying not to be herself, but in her glorious and amazing self. What kind of world would we live in? It would be so different. It'd be so amazing. It'd be so loving. It'd be so much more empathetic. And we'd still get stuff done and we'd still, you know, do all the changes that we need to make and we'd still have the whole world running, but it'd be running in a totally different way. It really reminds me of, Laura, have you ever seen um, No Men Beyond This Point? I have heard of it, but I have not watched it. Is it a documentary or a movie? It's like a mockumentary. It's so funny. So I'd highly recommend everybody watch it, but it's like a mockumentary. So it's done like a documentary, but it's fictional. And it's all about this idea that, you know, all of a sudden years ago, men just stopped being born and women started having like immaculate conceptions of women. Like, you know, they were just birthing women. And so, you know, there was basically no men beyond this certain point. So I think the youngest man was like 32 and then there was no other men born after that. And it's just the whole way the world runs and like, you know, what happens and like how women are running the world. And like, it's absolutely hilarious. And it really brings 
your attention to some things about how women would run the world and what that would look like and how we would experience it. And obviously it's a very extreme case. You know, we don't want to get rid of men. We, you know, don't want to get rid of the masculine, but the more balance, we really, really honored the feminine in ourselves. If we honored the feminine in each other and the feminine in the world, we would be much more balanced. Our leadership would be balanced. Our households would be more balanced. There'd be so much like a shift and a change that would really bring about just amazing connection and like caring and I think less duality. Yeah, no, I I, I so agree. Because I think by participating in the fallacy of leadership. Um, this old way is, is if women deny ourselves, um, our true nature, if we don't bring our true self, then we are participating in the fallacy that exists. And it's really interesting. I think there is research possibly, I don't have anything to quote right now, but that the more that when you start to show up, then the gender stereotypes are lessened, like when you actually do show up in your true way. So to that point of what you were saying with that documentary, a mockumentary, it's kind of like as things, as people show up in their full nature, then there's less of these um, extreme gender stereotypes that need to exist. And so by believing them or, or showing up and not being our true selves, we're just participating and something that's not true. And it creates more division. That's right. So I, you know, I think that the challenge is, is how do we do this on a daily basis? For many women, they feel like there's too much of a sacrifice of like, oh, well, or too much of a risk. Like, oh, I don't know, like how to change in my workspace or in my community or, you know, where do I even start? But I think it starts with this conversation with having awareness around like, where could you start showing up just a little bit more in your true self? Like, where do you, where are you holding back? Like, where are you pretending? Where are you downplaying your feminine traits, like in an environment, because you're afraid you won't be what taken seriously enough. You won't be treated well. Like how can you get a little bit more self-awareness around those moments and just do something small to kind of first start to play in that and to get curious about what would happen. Yeah. And I think when I talk to women about this, right, and I know, and we're not in any way saying that what we have to heal, what we have to navigate and integrate is easy, right? Because it's not. We all have wounds where being ourselves is not good enough, right? We all have those wounds. At some point in our life, we were told that just being ourselves is not good enough. And so we do have to heal those. We do have to navigate that. But one of the realities we have to come to with leadership, with intrinsic leadership, with life, with happiness, with joy, with freedom, to get any of the things that we want, one of the things we have to let go of is what other people think about us, right? You know, and this is what I hear a lot when people are afraid to be themselves in a boardroom or be themselves in their business. They're afraid of being judged. They're afraid of someone not liking them. They're afraid of not making someone happy. And the thing is, we have to break that stereotype. We have to break that idea. We cannot have everyone love us. We cannot have everyone want to be with us or want to hire us or, you know, enjoy us or like 
we have to stop caring about what they think about us. It's the only way forward. Until we can do that, we are always trapped. We are never free. As long as we care about what other people think about us, we're trapped. And so all these goals we have, freedom and wealth and success, all of that is on the other side of the fear we have around being judged or being devalued or not belonging. And so those are the first sort of things that we have to start to navigate. Absolutely. And not to forget the power of when another woman sees you step into that, you know, we forget when we're doing that for ourselves, that we are modeling that for those around us. And so the next time that you step in to a feminine quality that normally you would have checked at the door, and then you lead a meeting with that, checking in with people emotionally or being able to read the room and following your intuition and throwing out that PowerPoint and just going from the heart, whatever it was that you did in that moment or what you can do in that moment is going to inspire some other woman in the room that says, oh my goodness, like I want to lead like that, you know? And I think that that's the impact, the ripple effect that we need to start looking to have with one another is if you struggle to do it for yourself sometimes like, oh, I don't know, it'd just be easier to go along, get along, you know, say, but what if some other woman in the room is watching me right now for some permission and some inspiration? What impact could I make by stepping into that fully? Yes. And this is a piece of the this sort of conversation, which we're going to continue next week, that I really want to kind of start next week's podcast off with, which is that this idea and not to overown. So those of you who are overowners, let me just preface this. This is not for you to overown, but there is this way in which all of us are responsible for per- perpetuating these stereotypes. We are perpetuating that you have to step into the masculine to lead. We are perpetuating that you can't be yourself to lead. We are perpetuating that you can't succeed unless you become something else. Like, because we are refusing to do it, right? We are refusing to step into leadership in a different way or refusing to be ourselves in a leadership position. And so every time we do that, we're actually perpetuating these stereotypes And what's great about that, if we're not overowning that, is that we can then be responsible. We can then look to ourselves and say, you know what? I can be different. And that is leadership, right? Just choosing to be myself is an area where I can lead, right? Just that alone has a huge ripple effect and changes and shifts the paradigm that we've all been perpetuating. I could not agree more. And I'm just going to circle that, highlight it. (laughs) Like it is, it's it's so true. And I love that you actually um, made that clarity around there's a difference between that and like, if we over own that, then, you know, then we're taking on too much and we don't have to over own. We just have to be true. We just have to be true to ourselves. We own our own gifts. And by doing so, we have a profound impact and actually it comes with less energy, more ease, more just flow and intuition. You know, it's like, these are the things that the more authentic we are, the more true we are to our leadership style, the less energy that we have to exert. And so we will no longer be reluctant leaders. We will be resilient leaders. We will be eagerly leaders. We will be feminine powerhouses 
I feel like, you know, you could, you could kind of transperse this idea of like reluctant leaders and sleeping warriors. Like that's what we are. We're sleeping warriors. Like that is, I love this idea that, you know, women are so powerful and they're not powerful when they step into the masculine, right? And they're not powerful when they do X, Y, Z. They're already powerful. There's nothing they need to do to be powerful, but allow it allow their power to come forth and they're powerful. That's it. Like it's so easy, but we make it this other thing that we have to be something so much more, but we already have it all. Yes. And we can activate shared power. That's what it is. It's not power over, it's activation of power within us and around us. And love it. I'm so glad we're going to keep talking because I can't wait to pick this up on the next episode. Me too. So we're going to put a pin in it for today. We're going to do part two next week. And so we will see you all next week and have a great day. Building a service business isn't always easy, even if you absolutely love what you do. Sometimes you need someone in your corner with the right mix of wisdom, encouragement, and structure to help you reach the next level. If you love what you've heard on today's show and want to learn more about coaching with me one-on-one, come over to sonyastatman.com or send me an email at sonya at sonyastatman.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Women in the Business Arena. We'd love to welcome you into our community. Come join the Women in the Business Arena Facebook group. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about me and my work, you can find me at sonyastatman.com. See you next week.